This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. It is a championship Thursday night here in the state of South Carolina. High School Football State Championship weekend gets underway tonight, the first of three games over the next three days. There's one game tonight. There's I make that five games over the next three days. There's one game tonight, two games tomorrow, and two games on Saturday. Always a great time of the year in South Carolina when we've got high school football state championship games going on. And tonight is the 3A championship game, and you've got Buford and Powdersville. Powdersville is here for the first time in their history. They haven't been around very long, and, you know, those folks are up in the upstate are excited to – be coming to Benedict College tonight for the state championship game. Uh, Buford played for a championship last year at a different classification. They were 4A, moved down to 3A this year, and they're right back in the state championship game. David Shelton will join us a little bit later on to talk about the games coming up tomorrow night. We already previewed this game last night, and so he'll join us a little bit later on to talk about games coming up tomorrow night, and then tomorrow night we'll preview the games on Saturday. Uh, meantime, Chris Bergen is joining us from the Bergy Palace over in Sardis, and we have Pat Daniel back at our Dave & Buster Studios in Columbia. So it's great to have everybody together on this Thursday night, and our phone number, 888 that is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number in the sports talk tonight if you want to join us. And, Chris, I guess we should remind everybody, in case they have forgotten, that Clemson still has one more game to go, <laughs> ACC championship game coming up on Saturday. Not a whole lot of buzz about no. that game that I have felt to this point, I guess because we've taken up so much time talking about last Saturday in yeah. Death Valley and – the Tigers trying to, to get over what happened to them with the Gamecocks. But now they've got to be focused and ready to go against a North Carolina team that has also stumbled coming into this championship game. But they can score a lot of points, and they have, according to the voters, the ACC's best player in Drake May and a guy that, if you think Spencer Rattler can pick you apart, what can this guy do? Yeah, no doubt. And before we get into that, I wanted to circle back to the high school weekend. The South Carolina High School League should be ashamed of itself for ruining what was one of the best sporting events we had uh, throughout the season, the weekend of champions. We've expanded. I, I get it. We've now got five classifications, so you've got to play maybe an extra game or two. But from Thursday all the way to Saturday, that's, that, that's not what we had envisioned. And I think it's unfair for the 3A teams to have to turn around after playing last Friday and play again on Thursday. I get it that happens on occasion, but I just don't like the new setup. I was a much bigger fan of having, you know, when, when it was at Williams-Brice Stadium or even up at Clemson at Memorial Stadium, when you had the when we were a four classifications, you had the four games and then the everybody else played on Saturday. And it was a wonderful opportunity for fans and also media types like ourselves. I, I think sports talk should be committed because I'm not sure how many media fans are going to uh, uh, – 
attendees are going to be there tonight and also tomorrow unless you have a a team in the you know a dog in the fight if you will i just mm-hmm. don't like the way they they've ruined what was a really really good weekend of champions that being said we'll move on i'll get david's take on that coming up shortly but yeah, yeah i'm curious and i mentioned this last night phil i mean clemson fans are, are you excited about this weekend do you want to go to the game are you looking forward to if you're not going to charlotte are you going to be watching or did Saturday's loss to South Carolina totally take all the air out of your balloon where it doesn't matter anymore because you're not going to be able to qualify for the uh, CFP playoffs? And the same is true for North Carolina. I mean, the Tar Heels were cruising right along after their early season struggles, and then they've turned it around up until the last two weeks when they lost to Georgia Tech and, and NC State and back-to-back weekends. I'd be curious. Uh, North Carolina fans don't travel to begin with. So you don't need to give them a reason not to go to the game because they've already got 10. So I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine there'll be more than about 3,000 North Carolina fans, and they'll probably all live in Charlotte that would just come over for the game. I'd, I'd be stunned if Bank of America Stadium is anywhere close to full on Saturday night. I think the game is a sellout, though, isn't it? I think well, they, they, they may have sold put out the tickets, that the game is a sellout. Yeah. <laughs> How many people are going to actually show up and take advantage? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm like you. I just have heard very little about how excited Clemson fans are and, and about the Tigers having an opportunity to win an ACC championship. I think that Dabo may put that as one of his key uh, goals in the program, but losing mm-hmm. to South Carolina is much more important. Or beating South Carolina, rather, I think is still much more important for both teams than winning a conference championship. Well, I think that um, you, 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 the rivalry game is the game that – you, you least want to lose because right. of everything you have to deal with in the aftermath. I mean, it's it's tough those few days after you lose the rivalry game, especially how things have changed now with immediate opinions popping up on social media. I mean, before, before the development of social media, you lost a game, you know, you might not have heard from anybody until you went to church the next day. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Or maybe you ran into them at the grocery store the first of the week. It's immediate now. Not only is it immediate, of course, it's during the game. I mean, mm-hmm. you're getting gr- grilled during the game now with people having such instant access to expressing their feelings about things. So you hate to lose that rivalry game. You heard what Dabo yeah. said earlier this week, you know, from the standpoint of his program, losing to South Carolina – Losing that game, as he put it, is not acceptable. And South Carolina has to approach that the same way. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Georgia feels the same way about Georgia Tech, and Tennessee feels the same way about Vanderbilt, and on and on and on. That's I why it was good from the standpoint of – Yeah, that's right. Well, you maybe one day they'll win again in their rivalry, but it was the same <laughs> yeah, thing with South no, Carolina. True. Maybe right, one day right. yeah, South Carolina was going to win again in their rivalry, and, and they finally did it. You know, they, they pulled it out on Saturday. Now, can they can they build on that? But yeah, the championship game Saturday night, uh, Clemson and North Carolina is um, not must see TV because well, let me ask you, you're going to be the there. And, yeah, do you do you anticipate seventy thousand people at the game? No, yeah, no. I I would think there's going to be a lot of empty seats. I Forty mean, tickets were sold. That's fine, but I would imagine you'd have north of fifty. Okay. Probably south of 60. That would be my guess, somewhere between 50 and Mm -hmm. 60. But let's talk about this, too, now that we're on this topic. It was uh, made official today by the college football playoff uh, committee that they will go to 12 teams beginning in 
2025. So now, Chris, the national championship game in Atlanta in 2025 will be played on January the 20th. That means there will be 59 days between the last of the college football games and the first games of the NCAA tournament. 59 days now is the only amount of time between the last college football game in 25 and the first games of the NCAA basketball tournament. That begins on March the 20th, and the college football championship game is on January 20th. Okay, but the playoffs are not going to start 59 59 days after the end of the regular season, right? No, 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 no. The playoffs will start the week of December 21st. Okay, all right. Yeah, they're going to start have games week of December 21st. The championship game. The championship game now will come January 20th. You know, now, right now, in the current format, the championship game is around January 10, January 11, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there, right? Now they're going to push it back because they're going to have more games. And now the new format will have your top six ranked conference champions followed by the next six highest ranked teams. The top four teams are going to get first-round buys. The other eight will play first-round games. They will play either at home stadiums or stadiums nearby the hosting team who can host the game in that facility. So let's think about this for a minute now. We're talking about three or four days before Christmas in all likelihood here. Mm -hmm. Students are gone, and – you're going to be playing college football games on campuses, and I know they're calling it the playoffs, but they're going to be lousy games in all likelihood. Don't you think? I mean, you look at some of the pairings that could happen. If you took the top 12 from this year, the top four get a bye. So the four right now who would be in the playoff would get a bye. So let's mm-hmm. say you take last week's or, or you take this week's standings and you use that as a model, let's say, uh, Clemson. Okay would be the number nine seed. I think they were ninth in the ranking. I'm pulling it up right now. Clemson would be the number nine team. No, that's right. You're right. No, they're nine. Yeah. They're behind Penn State. They were eight last week. Yep. So you have, let's see. So five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So twelve would play five. I have to break this down for myself. Twelve would play five. Eleven would play six. Ten would play Seven and nine would play eight. And I've got it right in front of me, Corn, if yeah. it helps. As of right yeah. now, the potential 12-team playoff from the current college football playoff rankings would be Clemson, nine, playing Penn State, eight. The winner of that okay. would play number one, that is Georgia. Number five, Ohio State, would play number 12, Tulane. The winner yeah. of that would play the U.S. – sorry, the Southern Cal Trojans. The number I have Washington number twelve in the rankings, right? Yeah, now. but you got to remember, Phil. You have to factor We're in the highest champion. ranked yeah. Yeah. conference champions. The, the, and Tulane, if they yeah. win the Atlantic, would be a right. high, uh, yeah. a fairly high ranked conference champion, and they would they would get a yeah. playoff berth. Yep. And then eleven okay. Utah yeah. would play number six Alabama, and the winner of that would play the number three ranked TCU Horned Frogs, and then number seven Tennessee would play number ten Kansas State. And the winner of that would play the number two Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. So Tennessee, without so a starting what, I, quarterback, I, would deserve to play for a national championship. Are you kidding me? Well, Michigan. This is be why the expansion of the college back. football playoff is a mistake. Michigan's going to be without Corum. He's out mm-hmm. for the season now. Yeah. Going to have knee surgery. So how's the committee going to look at them when they come off this game against Purdue Saturday? How are you going to look at Michigan 
without their star running back. I mean, they, they beat Purdue. They'll still be in the playoffs, I guess. But, I mean, the point is, is that really ESPN owns the playoffs. ESPN sees this as an opportunity for additional television revenue, mm-hmm. additional nights of television. And is it um, – I read something today by a former Clemson beat writer, John Solomon, who writes now for some really deep-thinking organization. And he's like, they still haven't – the college football playoff committee still has not provided additional health insurance for the players. Um, You're asking players to play additional games and threatening the – in his words, threatening their their health and threatening their, their, their future. Now, you know, football players love to play football. If they're not playing football, and they're, they're in the weight room lifting weights and mm-hmm. they're yeah. out running and doing all that kind of physical activity. I, I get that. But his point is the additional money that's going to be coming in as a result of all this, um, just wait for the people who, who handle the players. I, I don't want to say union because they're not a union yet, but they'll, there'll be some people pushing the players saying, hey, wait a minute. Whoa, uh, timeout, uh, where's our cut? You know, what are we getting additional a- out of this? So we're going to play, if you're one of those teams, we're going to play a 12-game regular season. We're going to play a conference championship game. That's 13. All right. Then we're going to dive into exams, quote, unquote, okay, for a couple of weeks. And, and of course, practice and everything else. And then you want us to play, if we didn't get a, a bye, you want us to play a game the week of December 21st, okay? And then we're going to, have to play another game the next week, right? And then we're going to, have to play another game the next week. Mm-hmm. And if we happen to win all those games, we'll play one more game for a championship. Am I right? I'm right. Yeah. You're so, going to end up ha- having a, basically an NFL schedule, at least a regular season NFL schedule. All, all really, when you, when you boil it down, it's, it's all for – it's all for ABC and ESPN. They're the only ones, and of course the, the schools who get the drip of the money that, that comes with the payouts that they brag about every spring. Oh, look at here now, we're up to ninety million. Okay, great. So, you know, the players. I know they got the NIL stuff, but not everybody's getting NIL stuff. That that uh, that big old fat right tackle who's not very attractive in commercials. What's he getting? You know, um, I don't know. I just. I, I think I think the the exploitation just continues here now, and um, I don't know. Do you think they'll stop at twelve? And we're also continuing to water down the regular season. Every time you do this, it makes the regular season games less and less important. You know, um, take the take Clemson for example. Mm-hmm. They lose to South Carolina, second loss of the season. Still going to make the playoffs based on this year's rankings, and. So it really it devalues the importance of every week and every game is a must-win situation uh, to get into the postseason. And the funny thing about this, Phil, is the standpoint, if you want to compare what college football is looking at doing with the NFL, that's fine. But the NFL, you play the entire regular season to try and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. You want to be, if you're Buffalo, you want to have people coming into your stadium in the middle of January in a blizzard and have to deal with you. Uh, you want, uh, if you're Tampa Bay, you want teams from up north to come down south in January where it's still a little warm and try and deal with that late in the season. This is not going to be the case because where are the bowls going to sit situate in this? You may have a, a playoff game or two on campus, but uh, you're not going to be able to run through your campus sites uh, throughout the, uh, the entire extension of the playoffs. 
And again, your, your point about watering down the regular season is valid because basically it just made the Clemson loss to South Carolina, North Carolina's loss perhaps to NC State, not all that big a deal. Ohio State's loss to yep. Michigan, no big deal at all. Outside of bragging rights, yeah. we're in the playoffs. Michigan's in the playoffs. Clemson's in the playoffs. Uh, Tennessee's in the playoffs. They lost two games. And they're not going to have their quarterback. But if, if the scenario were set up this year, they'd be in the playoffs, even with a blowout loss to South Carolina. It, 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 we're, and, and we're, doing, we're doing to college football what we've done to college basketball for years. And it's made it where mm-hmm. nobody tunes in until March because that's when the tournament begins. We're going to start doing that with college football. Nobody's going to really pay attention until late November and then to December well, and January. That was kind of part of my point of pointing out that – uh, 59 days between the college football championship game and the start of the NCAA tournament. So yep. you, if you're college basketball, all of November, all of December, and nearly all of January now is covered up by college football. Mm-hmm. How is that good for college basketball? It's not. I mean, how is that good for college basketball that, yeah, there's some hot spots, of course, across the country that tune into college basketball from the start, and that's all they care about. But we know that those are – Either your basketball-centric uh, major programs like Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and uh, a few others, but then those are mostly your Gonzagas and your um, Seton Halls and, and your smaller schools like that where football doesn't exist or, or isn't a factor. Um, I'm just saying you're covering, up, you're covering up basically over half of your basketball season. Because you know all the attention will be on the teams that win and are moving forward through the process in the playoffs. And Phil, you know it will be, especially in states where, where football is king like here, Pat. And uh, to piggyback on that, what does it also do to the rest of the bowl season? Because now you have this many playoff games, and they're going to be spread out of, over the course of, what was it you said, three, four weeks, give or take, or I guess four or five weeks, give or take. Well, what is that going to do to – the Citrus Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the any random – the Myrtle Beach Bowl. What is that going to do to all of the other, quote-unquote, lower-tier, lesser-tier bowl games? Are people going to even care to watch those? Are people going to no. attend those? Because even right now when we have the, the – in the current playoff format, you have the semifinals. They've kind of bounced back and forth between New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, maybe a couple days earlier or later. Does anybody even watch the other bowl games on those days now? Yeah. Uh, they're all TV events, and I mean, ESPN. They, they, they. I guess they sell them cumulatively. So, like, if you got nine hundred thousand watching here and two point three million watching here, whatever it is, they add it up. They show it to Madison Avenue, the advertisers, and say, "See, this is how many people are, are watching our games." And let me make sure I clarify myself. Um, the playoff starts in twenty four, so one more season like right. we have now, and then it starts. I said twenty five, but I was talking about the championship game being in um, January of 2025, but it starts in the 24th season, just to be clear. All right, let's hit the break, and we'll come back with more and uh, and discuss this. Take your phone calls, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. And since 2002, more than $572 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund Palmetto Fellows scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. We're over at Benedict College where they did nothing but win football games all season long until that playoff loss last weekend, but they had a great season here. We're back in a moment. 
Hi, I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and I've got a great gift idea that requires zero shopping, the gift of college savings. Future Scholar, South Carolina's 529 College Savings Plan makes it easy. Grandparents, friends, and family can all contribute to a Future Scholar account and know that they're providing a gift that will last a lifetime. If you're looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, look no further. Learn more about the smart, easy way to save and give this holiday season at futurescholar.com. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk from Benedict College on this Thursday night. We're here for the 3A state championship football game between Buford and Powdersville. And we'll be back here tomorrow night for the 1A and 2A championship games. And on Saturday, you've got the 4A and 5A games in reverse order, 5A first at noon and then 4A at 7. So come on out and watch some high school football. Chris, I heard what you were saying at the – at the outset, yeah, I mean, I, I missed the weekend of champions where they oh, had it at williams Bryce Stadium yeah. and they played on a Friday night and they played on Saturday. But the problem is, apparently, that USC requires too much of a payment from the high school league for the use of their stadium. Even though when Clemson hosted it, they didn't charge anything because they went out and got sponsors, I guess, mm-hmm. to help offset the cost. Though I don't really understand and I don't know their budgets, and I'm not in their bank account, but I really can't understand why USC or Clemson would need any help to host <laughs> the uh, high school championship games. I would think it would be more to their benefit to have these fans and these players and these coaches on their campus, in their stadium, for several hours. How much does it cost? I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 Okay, that's chump change to these, to these yeah. people. You know, they pay coaches $10 million. You think they could – Squeeze out $30,000 to host the state championship games, more or less 30. Maybe it's a little more than that now because they've gone up to a, you know, to a fifth class. So you've got five championship games. But, yeah, those, that was a lot of fun. You could buy a but ticket and stay Phil, all day and watch three or four games. But remember, we also used to have two classes in 4A. 
we we split the 4A and 1A also had two classifications mm, yeah. uh, for a while as That's well. True. So you had the 1A yeah. big boys and the 1A little boys. Uh, no other way to say it, but that was sort of the uh, the, the mindset. Before we get to calls, though, a, a quick uh, question for you. Of the five games this weekend, which do you think is going to be the most competitive? Oh, man, you'd have to ask David that. Um, you know, you'd like to see competitive games up and down sure. the lines just to, just to have some – some excitement in state championship games. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just throw a guess out there that Fort Dorchester and Dutch Fork could be a great one. Yeah. I think Fort D is is good. We know Dutch Fork is good as well. They both have got tons of talents. Um, they're well coached. Uh, they put a lot of money into their program. So, see no reason why that one wouldn't be one that would go, you know, down to the wire. But we'll get David's take on the two games tomorrow. The two A and the 1A championship games when he joins us in our second hour. We'll take some calls after the break. Be right back. All right, coming up tonight here on Sports Talk, we have Benedict College for the 3A state championship games. And a little bit after 7 o'clock, we'll have the pastor of pain, Corey Miller, for his final Thursday night visit of the football season, maybe until the bowl games. Will and the thrill at the bottom of the hour. Oh, can't wait to get to what they have to say <laughs> at 730. You, you know Carl. Carl Hill is for this. I bet he's been waiting since Saturday oh. afternoon at about 3.30 to jump on the show. Is Will still a 10 on the me. rivalry meter at this point? <laughs> yeah, really. No, is he Will sent me a text tonight? and said it's at a zero. He said it's at a zero. And, and Carl sent me a picture of a gambling ticket that I guess he cashed in that he won 200 and something dollars on the Gamecocks, you know. So, hey, at least he, he backs up his Damn. opinion Indeed. with his with his money. Um, I'm just looking here. Oh, and then uh, David Shelton also coming up to a preview high school football. So you can buy tickets for the ACC championship game uh, on secondary market. This is StubHub. I'm seeing tickets for $54, $53. Um, sixty-five dollars. So, you know, I mean, it's that's, still that's, a big not, deal, right? I mean, it's dirt a, it's cheap, a conference championship game. Yeah, but I, I just you're I playing just for think, a trophy. Yeah, I just think, like you pointed out, the buzz off of both of these teams, and North Carolina can say, you know, Duke or NC State, whatever rival they have. I, I would think in football is certainly NC State more so than Duke. But both of these teams coming off rivalry losses. The teams and the fans may be a little down, but still it's a big deal, I would think, this weekend. One word, guys, recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good point. Mac Brown this week, was he said, quote, they've beaten us a bunch in recruiting, talking about Clemson. Most of the guys on our team were not even offered by them. So there's a lot of great players mm-hmm. on their team that I've tried to recruit that decided to go down there, and they've got a great program. And then just looking over the years, you've had big players like Peyton Page, uh, the blue chip defensive tackle out of Greensboro, who was at both and ultimately came to Clemson. You've had Tony Grimes, a, a star cornerback out of Virginia, but he he came down to basically North Carolina and uh, and Clemson. You've had uh, Jaden Lucas, uh, Dalen Everett, uh, Will Shipley is one that both teams, mm-hmm. along with Notre Dame, were really heavily after. So I would think even if this game may not quite have the same meaning in terms of college football playoff implications. It's still bragging rights for the conference, 
And also, these two programs go after so many of the same prospects out of high school that there's a lot of meaning there. Especially in You're exactly right. Yep. When you're when you're playing for a trophy, man, you're you're playing for something. Whether it's the uh, the Mayor's Cup or the ACC Championship, uh, you're playing for a little something extra. And we'll see how these teams uh, respond. Will they be enthusiastic? They're both coming off uh, rival game losses and um, disappointing ends to their regular season. Do they get the juices flowing again? I, I think they will. Once they get on the field, kick it off, start knocking each other around. And the question is going to be when we start talking about the game is how well is DJ Uyunglele going to play for Clemson? Uh, I was watching the game again last night, and the one thing that kind of struck me more about him, watching him against South Carolina, he seemed awfully robotic out there. He didn't seem smooth. He didn't seem – it seemed like he was playing like he was coached. Like, okay, now, DJ, when you take the snap, you want to pump fake over here. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it was like nothing was natural. It was all choreographed. That's how I – that's how you – he just seemed very robotic out there. Um, now, they're going to be facing a quarterback who is dynamic, and he's got uh, maybe the best receiver in the ACC or certainly one of the top two or three in downs. And Clemson's secondary, there's – they're going to be without Mickens for the first half, and their secondary was toast against South Carolina on many big plays down the field, as we saw. So is North Carolina going to take advantage of that? How is Clemson going to counter? They're going to run the ball. They're going to run Shipley till his tongue hang, hangs out. They probably should and throw some Moffitt in there and, some, and Kobe <laughs> Pace. Yeah, just run it, run it, run it. I mean, North Carolina's defense has gotten a little bit better than it was earlier in the year, but it's, it's still not that good. So, yeah. look – the fourth-string quarterback for NC State, he threw for, like, what, 250 yards on him yep. last week? He was the fourth-stringer. I know. So, and Jack Chambers right, let's get to the phone calls. scored the first touchdown of the game. <laughs> he sure did. Speaking of uh, coaches, let me mention this. Wofford today announced that um, they have hired their new coach, and they are just promoting from within Sean Watson, not Deshaun, but Sean Watson, who was hired in January as assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, took over as the interim coach when Josh Conklin resigned in October. And today Richard Johnson announced that uh, Sean Watson would be the permanent head coach. Uh, won three games down the stretch for the Terrier. So he is highly regarded. He's an experienced coach. He's an older coach. He's been in big-time programs. Um, I think he's been a head coach in the past. And so he's going to be the new guy at Wofford uh, moving forward. Okay, we go to your phone calls, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. We go to Anthony in Leesville, first with us tonight on Sports Talk. Anthony, welcome in. How are you? Hey, Phil, I'm doing fine. Um, I just kind of had some rambling observations. Uh, first of all, I... I agree completely with you guys about the college playoff and the expansion. I, you know, everybody's running tail mail to do that. Uh, I, I think four's plenty, and I think, uh, you know, you associate college football with the Christmas and New Year holidays and with the bowls and so forth, and it wraps up pretty quickly even with the current system. And now it's just going to move out into mid, late January. And, uh, you know, I think you guys were, were spot on when you talked about uh, the 
regular season just won't mean much anymore. And and I really think it's going to dilute college football and, and probably even fans' interest over time. Um, a couple other things I want to mention. Uh, mm-hmm. One, I saw today that Dabo Sweeney's record as a head coach against Carolina is 8-6. and six. And if you take out the must-champ years, he, he has a significant losing record against South Carolina, which is interesting given how successful Clemson's been during that period of time. You know, arguably South Carolina has been the most successful team against Clemson since Dabo's been there. Um, and then lastly, I guess you guys saw today there was some interview with Dabo in which he talked about uh, – making uh, or requiring everybody in his facility, including secretaries and other staff, to watch the game, to watch the, you know, the tape of the game with Carolina from Saturday. And I thought, you know, how ridiculous is that? I mean, you know, Debo, Debo is, is a talker, and he just talks too darn much for his own good sometimes. I mean, I, his mouth gets into more trouble. But that's the stupidest <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah, come on. How stupid is it to drag your secretaries or whatever other staff you've got in the facility and say, we're all going to sit here and, and uh, you know, relive this pain all over again? I mean, you know, what, he's just a, he's a boob half the time. Come on, truth be known. You know, let's be serious. I mean, he's, he's had a great program and all that good stuff. But... He doesn't know when to shut up. <laughs> That's his problem. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. I'm not aware of that. Was that an interview he did? Uh, it was radio, TV. SC- yeah, the SEC podcast or that SEC podcast, which is interesting. The devil would even be on there, but I think Eric McLean is on there as well. So, somewhat mm-hmm. of a uh, Atlantic Coast Conference Clemson tie. But I mean, good grief! Was there anybody in his building that didn't watch the game to begin with? I mean, well, you got to understand, Dabo. First of all, he he is no stranger to hyperbole. It's my word of the day, and I'm sure he was saying that more like you know, tongue in cheek. Everybody's going to go back and have to watch it. Keep in mind, this (laughs) is the guy that implemented a when when the Gamecocks were in that winning streak. He implemented a countdown clock Mm -hmm. that started right after the one game ended, and he had a. 365-day countdown clock to the next one. Remember that? Um, because he was trying to emphasize to him and to his players the importance of winning that South Carolina game. And again, his comment at his press conference on Tuesday spoke volumes. It is not acceptable to Clemson to lose to that program. That's how he put it. Or to lose that game. It's not that acceptable game, yeah. for this program to lose that emphasis on that that game and that's why you know he looked after the game he looked like a ghost you know look he'd seen a ghost um it looked like you know his his best he'd just come from a funeral i mean he was he took that loss and he should as shane beamer would take the loss hard going the other way it should it should mean something it should mean more than i mean look to me there's no bigger game for any school than the rivalry game whether it's Harvard, Yale, Michigan, Ohio State, Southern Cal, UCLA, USC, Clemson, Florida, Florida. That is what is the essence of college football. Yeah. This other nonsense is just 
just to pour money in the people's pockets. And there's a lot of people who've, who've gotten very, very wealthy as a result of this and stand to do more. And listen, I want to say this too. I mean, I know we come across anytime there's something new related to college football or, well, or basketball or whatever, we come across as those, um, uh, you know, the, the sour heads. You know, we're just poo-pooing everything that's, that's viewed as so-called progress uh, in, in the sport. You know, I didn't like the idea of the college football playoff to begin with. Um, and I knew they wouldn't sit, settle at four for very long. And they, you know, how long has the college football playoff been in existence with four? Going on about, what, 15 years or so with it, I think. Has it been that uh, long? And now it's going to go to, hmm? Has it been that long? I, 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 well, maybe I'm tying it in with, the, um, with its predecessor, too. But, yeah, Pat can look that up. I know he is. Um, and now we're going to go to 12, and, you know, eventually there'll be enough clamoring about 10, 11, 12, who's getting in, who's getting out, who's, you know, this team with four losses really should be in over that team with three losses because they're in this league and they've played this schedule and they have this, this kind of analytics. And then they'll say, okay, well, let's just expand it to, to 24 then, you know. And, and on and on it goes um, to where, you know, you're going to be giving everybody a trophy here before it's all said and done and um, and, and, and making the, the regular season practically uh, less meaningful than it is now. And I don't know how it can get much less less meaningful than it is at this particular time as they keep adding more and more uh, playoff games and putting in uh, you know more teams with multiple losses i can think mm-hmm. back not too too far too long ago you you'd never consider having a team with multiple losses no. in a major bowl game or in a playoff situation well i would ask this of those of you who are big proponents of expansion of the playoffs and you don't think it's going to ruin the regular season how many of you watch college basketball in the late uh, december early january Outside of tournaments, of yeah, and outside of <laughs> yeah, like the yeah. Big Ten ACC Challenge and the Maui why, Invitational yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's the continue with the calls. Triple the regular season of college basketball. Oh yeah, and, well, no and this way has to done the same thing. Otherwise, it's it's made the focus the playoffs, and this is mm-hmm. kind of like what Dabo Sweeney is dealing with now. He's got a ten-win team. He's playing for an ACC championship, but he's not in the playoffs, and. His, his people, you know, the fans, Clemson fans, being natural fans who kind of got used to going to the playoffs and enjoyed it, this is two years in a row. And the question is, what's wrong with our program? Ten wins but not making the playoffs, that's not going to be good enough for programs sad, like that. And that will actually spread throughout college football. It is. It's kind of sad. Yeah, absolutely. Corn, I've got an okay, example for you. Okay, we continue. Sorry, last thing mm-hmm. before you go back to the callers. Sorry, callers. Uh, an example for you, again – I like to sometimes hide the fact that I went to Clemson, but whatever, everybody at this point knows. I am in a group chat with a bunch of friends from college, and they are all big-time Clemson football fans, most of which are season ticket holders, blah, blah, blah. Where I'm going with this is I had a buddy in that in that group text actually this morning text out to the other eight of us or so in the group, would anybody like my three tickets to the ACC championship game this weekend for free? There you go. So he, he has no interest. He and his wife and their, uh, whoever the third was have no interest in going anymore, and we're just straight up handing them out for free. So that yeah. – I'm not saying that's all Clemson which, fans, but that tells you something. Which does bring up the next question, and that is to the team that regularly makes the playoffs. You know, the ones that don't make it regularly, they're 
are in there every so often, their fans are going to be excited. But for the teams that are there every year, how much are you asking of your fans? You're asking them, of course, to, to give to your scholarship club. Then you're asking them to give to your NIL. Then you're asking them to buy season tickets. Then you're asking them to uh, pay for a ticket to come to a playoff game on your campus a few days before Christmas or, or right after Christmas and around New Year's. And if you happen to win that game and have to travel, then they're asking you to go and travel to that game and then travel to the – how much are you going to keep, you know, bleeding your people and when are you going to start losing people as a result of that who just say, I just can't do it anymore, you know. I mean, there's some people who won't matter to, but i got to believe it's the majority of people – who are going to reach a limit at some point in time. As much as they love their team and as much as they want to support, they're going to reach their limit at some point in time. Um, We better hit our break because uh, we're going to get tied in here, and then we'll come back with more phone calls. I blame Pat for putting us in this situation. My fault. Uh, 888-898-2525 is the number, and we'll get back to phone calls in just a moment. Brian Kelly announced Jaden Daniels will play quarterback against Georgia. On Saturday, he'd been banged up a little bit. Mike Elko of Duke, the ACC Coach of the Year, he got 44 votes. Mike Norvell got 18. Brent Key, Mac Brown, and Dabo Sweeney, they got one vote each. And we'll be back. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships. For funding grants. For funding innovation in this state. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. 
It's What's for Dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. We are back at Benedict. We're here for the 3A championship game tonight. Fans are filing in, as you might expect. Looking forward to the football game. Kicking off a little bit after 7. Let's get back to your phone calls. Appreciate the patience. We go next to um, Hank in Columbia. I think it is. And the CFP began in 2014, so it's only in its current format about um, seven years, eight years old. Yeah. Hank, welcome in to uh, Sports Talk. By the way, if you didn't notice, the Gamecock men's basketball team lost last night at George Washington. Um, Chris, how'd you like the headline on my story? I loved it. I thought you were spot on about it. Can't tell a lie. George Washington uh, chops down South Carolina. I thought it was very, very <laughs> clever. And when we get a minute, I want to co- I want to touch history. on what uh, – We'll touch on history there. <laughs> I thought it was great. I do want to touch on what Lamont Paris had to say last night about uh, his team and comparing it to AAU basketball. I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it is. Go ahead, Hank. Welcome in. Hey, Corn. I'm a you – know, I can agree with the, the effect that it will have on the bowls. But I'm going to be a, a little contrary to all this. Uh, the playoff is horrible uh, situation. Um, you know, you say it's not it's going to work down the regular season. Actually, the, it would do no different than the first playoff because when they went to the first playoff, a lot of teams, after they got their first loss or second loss, you could see a lot of teams go strange ways because they were cashing it in because basically there were only three or four teams that were going to be in it. And then it got to the point where where players were were opting out after the second week of uh, and, and sitting out so they could go transfer someplace else because it was the same four. So you know, I, I think that when you look at it, it's going to provide some interest. And you can't tell me uh, Georgia, Georgia, all this week y'all talked about people talked about Georgia putting a score on on LSU if they could, then sure that they're going to be right there in Atlanta, which is almost like a home game. So those teams that want to get a bye and the teams that want to get a home game, they're going to still be working to get those because it's an advantage to winning, just like in basketball and baseball when teams try to get those first two-round games at home in the sports that they're possible. And so I just, you know, the thing going to the middle of January – well, we had that same thing when when they went from the national championship game being on the first to going to the eleventh or whatever. But you still mm-hmm. see people watching. You still see people watching. Remember, everybody said they weren't going to watch because New Year's Day and New Year's Eve, and then the numbers were, were mind blowing. So because we're addicts, we're addicts. Yeah, I mean, so, we cannot so, not watch. That's the problem, and, yeah, and they so, know that. And so they know, are not they know do, we're going to watch. And remember, Corm, the whole thing about the students on campus thing. When they when they went to twelve games, remember you gave that same speech about uh, students as far as the football games. You looked at that hill in Clemson; they all they all found their way back there for that game on Thanksgiving weekend. Well, a lot of them went back home after the game. There's enough um, because the doors weren't they, open. Yep, there, there, the, there's enough who live. Back. There's enough who live nearby. Yeah, there's enough who live nearby who can go home and come back for the game. I. I get that. If you don't, if you and do it, happen to live far away, you're not coming back for the game, and that's kind of unfair. But, but a lot of them drove up. That's the way it is. 
Yeah, right? yeah, it ain't yeah. That, I, I you, look at, that. you look at that hill. A lot of them drove but, just like the well, parents would drive on a regular weekend day. <laughs> the hill only seats about, uh, only handles about, what, 1,500 or so? Because they've made them, the no, fire no, marshal no. has made them. Oh. Fire marshal has made the, yeah. Fire marshal has made them cut that down some because it was. I think I don't that know like the exact more than me. I was there. I was on the opposite end of the stadium looking at that hill. That looked like yeah, way yeah. more than fifteen hundred people on that hill Saturday. <laughs> right, right. So, but I mean, the, so, uh, the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make, and I guess those of us who kind of aren't in favor of all this constant changing is. Why are you changing something that was already good? You know, it's like talk of changing the well, NCAA basketball tournament. But yes, it is. I mean, look, this year I you're going to have this year you stand this year. Listen to me. This year you stand to have a new team in TCU and a new team, basically a new team in Southern Cal. All right, you got a couple of holdovers, holdovers in Georgia and Michigan. Eventually, Georgia and Michigan are going to. I hate to use this word, but they're going to cycle out. Teams cycle in, they cycle out. Clemson right but, now but, is out. Ohio State is out. Oklahoma is out. You're going to get more and more flesh blood, uh, fresh blood because the transfer portal is certainly uh, going to play a role in spreading the talent. Uh, buying players via NIL is going to spread the talent even more for those who want to participate in that. So I think you would see – Different teams, uh, but but the one year, a one a, year in the four team playoff. A, a one year sample size is not uh, statistically um, viable. If you go over the seven years, you had five or six teams or four or five teams that made up ninety percent of the playoff. And I so agree, but you know, we're getting tired of it. it. I agree, and we got to run. Well, I don't know if they were getting tired of it because I think the ratings were still pretty good, weren't they? And I mean, that's the figure that counts more than anything else. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back with you here on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network on this Thursday night. It is state championship night here in Columbia as we get the first of the five state championship games underway. We've got the 3A title game, uh, Powdersville, from up there in uh, near Easley. Well, I remember Powdersville. Uh, uh, Chris, you know Powdersville well. You're an upstate guy. I can remember when Powdersville yeah. was nothing but like a little crossroad. That place has really blown up and got a got a nice high school and and now their football team is playing for a state championship for the first time against uh, Beaufort and then we've got two games tomorrow and uh, two games on on Saturday as well uh, so that's why we are here to keep an eye on this and um, we'll have a coverage on our website sportstalksc.com for you later on this evening you'll hear from the the winning side. And we'll do that throughout the uh, throughout the weekend. Talking about Clemson and North Carolina coming up, and um, talking about the expansion of the playoffs. Let's welcome in for uh, his final visit with us. Maybe we'll get him back around the uh, the bowl game time. Welcome in the pastor of pain, Corey Miller, once again to Sports Talk POP. Great to have you with us. How you doing? I am doing wonderful, and uh, what a great uh, Thursday to be with you guys. I'm driving back from 
uh, Greenville, uh, taping uh, our final season show. Of course, we'll do a bowl show on Fox Carolina News here up in the upstate. But, boy, it feels good to be able to walk into the studio, bloviating with my chest out, with a big smile on my face, and say something that mom and dad used to say to me all the time, Phil. And that was, that? I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> and it was like, you know, <laughs> nobody's ever liked that. But it was like, man, I hate it when they said that to me. I told you so because you knew they were right. So I've, I, I'm feeling really, really good on this day. Boy, I tell you what, if you're poking that chest out, then that thing's already Ooh. sticking out a good. You know, I, I saw you guys on Friday. I was in the upstate, and I had you guys on television uh, back in the hotel, and um, I couldn't believe how much taller Patrick Sapp is than you are. Or, or maybe you've shrunk a little bit. Well, you know, I think he has high heels on under the desk. You know, so <laughs> I'm a solid six, six, two or three quarters, buddy. <laughs> well, you Only did a great Corey job. Miller could say that about Patrick Sapp and get away with it. That's right. You did a great job. So, so Thank how you. would you it. sum up the Gamecock win over Clemson, looking at it objectively? If you can, what made the difference in the game for South Carolina? Well, I think it was just uh, the ability to overcome mistakes early in the first quarter, getting down fourteen to nothing and not losing their focus. You know, on the road in a hostile environment, it, it would have been easy just kind of to fall on the sword, if you will. They didn't do that. They kept fighting. They kept believing. I thought you got to have a very positive mindset, knowing who you are and, and what you can accomplish, and they did that. And so. They came back, made some great plays uh, offensively. The defense hung in there. They were giving up a ton of yards on the ground. But they, they did what they had to do in, in special teams. I mean, you know, Beamer Ball was in full effect. So, you know, I was very proud uh, of this football team. You know, Coach Beamer been telling us that this is a good football team, and they really are. And, uh, you know, they made big plays. And, of course, the second half was defensively. They've been doing this all season long where they struggled in the first half but made adjustments and uh, only giving up 86 yards of offense in the second half. So what a masterful game plan, masterful uh, commitment to, to, the, to what you have for the game plan is concerned. And, and you know, the great win. I mean, Clemson is a good football team, and it's hard to go on the road, 40 in a row. But one thing I said, if you watch the show, in my pep talk, I talk about the year of streaks ending. And South Carolina has done that all season long with Texas A&M, you know, stopping that streak against Kentucky, getting a big win over Tennessee. And then Clemson had won 40 straight games at home, and they ended that streak. And, of course, played spoiler once again, the team that was hoping to get into the college football playoffs. So what a wonderful game. Well, well coached. And, you know, kudos to those players, man, in that locker room for not listening to the naysayers, of, naysayers and using that as motivation. Corey, you talked about the uh, mindset of the Gamecocks, and one thing Shane Beamer has talked about, even after the Florida loss or uh, you know, following the Tennessee game, is this is not the same Carolina. Our fan base needs to jump on board and trust us because we've got a good football team. How much does confidence play into a game like a rivalry game with Clemson when you played at USC? Uh, in terms of confidence, it, had they lost to Tennessee, do you see the same type fire and energy and the same type team that we saw on Saturday, or did the Tennessee win – maybe buoy them to beat Clemson on Saturday? Well, I think winning that game against Tennessee obviously gave you a ton of confidence because you knew as a player, as coaches, that, that you're good enough. And they didn't just win the game in a close one against Tennessee. They dominated. You know, they, they, they dominated the entire football game. And 
so yes, you come into this game knowing that, hey, if we can do this against a team that people thought until they played South Carolina was one of the, or the best team in the country. A lot of people have said that. So, yes, a boatload of confidence. And then when you got down, you didn't have that, uh, here we go again, had they lost to Tennessee, it would have been easy to just really go the opposite way. So, yes, when winning breeds winning. I mean, it's important when you get those types of wins, man, it breeds more winning because you believe in yourself. You believe in the confidence. Coach can say all he wants in front of you on know, his pep talks, in the meeting rooms, but if you're losing, if you're losing and bad things are happening, it's easy to fall back into that trap. But, yes, by winning that game against Tennessee, definitely bode well for the Gamecocks, and I think it gave them more encouragement. Hey, even though we down early, we're going to come back. We're going to win this football game, and that was the message as I listened to, you know, Coach Beamer speaking to the team at halftime and the things that he said, you know, it, it really translated well onto the football field. Visiting with the pastor of pain, Corey Miller, here on Sports Talk for a few more minutes. So, Odabo Sweeney on Tuesday said it is not acceptable for his program to lose that game. And it's come up tonight. It's been reported. He was on a podcast, and he made the comment that he made everybody in the building, the secretaries, everybody else, rewatch that game I guess maybe as punishment, maybe in lieu of a raise. You guys didn't do your job well enough. We're not giving you a raise, but you have to watch the game over and over again as if they wouldn't have watched it anyway. My, my point is, is that he took this loss very hard, and he let it be known that it's not something that should happen to Clemson, losing to South Carolina. Does South Carolina view it the same way from where you sit? Well, listen, man, I mean – there's change happening at South Carolina uh, through Shane Beamer. We talk about the culture. We talk about, you know, the climate of this football team and having that confidence again that you're you're just as good, and in this case you're better than that football team. I mean, any coach can say that. Watch it all you want to. But that doesn't change what happens down down the road of 385 to 26, what, what they're saying in the locker room. And they're saying that, hey, we should win this game every single year. I mean, so, yeah, that's all fine and dandy, and that's Dabo using his tactics of, you know, it's unacceptable and all this stuff. But, listen, man, I, I played this game a long time. That really doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, it's all about working uh, from, from, from summer, fall to the season and, and going out there and executing a game plan, having the talent to get things done, and, and you see what happens. So, listen, I, I understand for them that might uh, – Patrick said tonight on our TV show that it was a shot. Well, Yes, it's all good, but things are changing. I want to remind him that things are changing, Dabo Swinney, and South Carolina has all the resources, have have talent. They're going to get more talent because that game is going to help lift up recruiting, and they're not scared. This is is something that's going to happen over again. And so I can see a streak continuing for South Carolina. Got to come down to the Bryce next year. So this team is only going to get better. So, yeah, I get where he's coming from. He's trying to, you know, to – to get into the minds of his players, I don't uh, have no problem with that. But listen, man, those other guys in the locker room, those 115, 20 guys, they're not listening to that message because they're saying, hey, this could happen over and over again because we're good enough. We're good enough to beat Clemson every single year, and we need to get that in our brain. So do what he needs to do. But I know what happened on Saturday. That that, that South Carolina came into your backyard, Will. Where's Will at it? Is he still crying? We came into your backyard, and we did what Mike Tyson did, and we just took your heart out. 
And you know what? It's time for change. And I said it to the players, and I'm saying it again to all Gamecock fans. We don't shouldn't look, be looked down to this Clemson Tiger program. We are the University of South Carolina. They are our little brothers. We are the standard. And you've got to have a mindset of setting the standard. Okay? Period. Somewhere my point about being objective went out the window, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask Go him ahead, something. Chris. Now I'm all fired up. Uh, Corey, though, uh, coming off the win, obviously this week has, has been big for the Gamecocks, but also now losing offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. If you were Shane Beamer, what direction do you go? We heard so much about Marcus Satterfield wanted to run a pro-style offense. First off, what does that mean, and does he have to get somebody in a similar fashion, or does he go a different route with the O.C.? Well, I think you got to go with, with a good fit. Who fits the, the program? Who fits the direction in which this team is trying to go? What do you want your identity to be? And, and to me, with the talent that you have, you want to open things up. You want to play fast. You want to use tempo, get guys in space, let them work one-on-one like Juice Wells did to get that first down to end the ball game. I mean, you got those types of players, so you got to have an offensive a play caller that's innovative. That's, that's got that sharp number two pencil that can draw up plays. And, you know, and pro style is good if you got the talent to do that, right? If you got a, a massive, very physical offensive line that can knock guys off the ball and can use physical downhill running and sets up play action passes, that's what we talk about, using the tight ends, you know, 12 and 13 personnel, play action pass. So that's, that's a pro style. But you, today's college world, you got to score points. You know, Alabama – to me, was a pro-style offense back in the day. LSU, when they, they wanted a man-on-man, mano-a-mano, just wear you down and, and dominate in the fourth quarter. That's pro-style football. But I think with the athletes, that if you want to get big-time receivers, if you want to get playmakers, you got to be more open. So I think you're looking for a guy that comes in with that system and you go out and get quick, speedy guys, quick twitch guys that can get loose in space and, and, and make people miss and get plays for you when you need them. So I think that's the direction in which he's going because that's when South Carolina has had success. When they've opened up the offense, they've done very well. you got a quarterback in Spencer Rattler. Hopefully he stays around. That can spin it. That can make all the throws. And uh, you get him comfortable, and you go play <clears> football. So I'm hoping that's the direction he goes. All right, Corey, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for jumping on board with us uh, this evening. I'm sure you'll enjoy the entire post-Carolina Clemson week, and uh, hopefully we can catch back up with you when the Gamecocks learn their uh, bold destination. Well, tell Will, you know, I'm praying for him. You know, one thing as a preacher, you offer comfort, you offer some peace, because I know he's still crying. I got some tissues for him, and I want to rub his back and let him know, get used to this. <laughs> okay. Get used Thank to you, Pat. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Payne. Appreciate it. Great stuff as always. We'll get back with you around the bowl time. By the way, I just got a text from Will. I know this isn't going to sound good. He was scheduled to be with us. He had confirmed it, but something's come up, he said, in his business, with his business, and he's going to be tied up. So Will is not going to be with us tonight. We'll get him another time, maybe around yeah, the bowl time. Hopefully we get him on – and next week, Phil, and we can uh, recap the ACC title game with him as well. So that'd that, be a good that idea. Would work. Yeah, yeah, that, that would that'd work. fit. That would fit. Uh, we have a score in the three A state championship game. Powdersville took the opening drive, went right down the field, primarily, if not entirely, on the ground. It yeah, looks like impressive. entirely on the ground, and they have gone in front of uh, 
Buford by a score of seven to nothing. And they've got a terrific uh, player who's committed to Virginia Tech, Thomas Williams. He had a 30-yard run on the drive. Their quarterback, Eli Hudgens, is quite good. Uh, he had a he had some 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 runs as well where he picked up yardage. But uh, Williams had that 30-yard run, uh, got him down the field. And let's see, the um, seven-play, 65-yard drive, and it was um, actually Hudgens, the quarterback, who kept it and ran in for the touchdown. Looks like it's a, about a six-yard run for him. So 7 nothing. Powdersville is on top of Buford with the Eagles now getting the football for the first time. We're going to hit the break, and we'll come back with David Shelton while we're talking high school football. We'll look ahead to tomorrow night's two games. It'll be the 1A and the 2A contests. The 5A and 4A games will be on Saturday. We've got the 3A game going on tonight. And David will join us to talk about the games coming up tomorrow night when we come back here on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at scattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network over at Benedict College, side of the state championship games. We get the first game ongoing as we speak. Pattersville has taken a 7-0 lead on Beaufort in the 3A state championship game. And um, we'll see if, if Beaufort is able to uh, mount their own drive to counter what uh, Pattersville just did as we keep you up to date on what's happening here. 
And, again, there's two more games tomorrow and two more games coming up on Saturday. Let's talk about the games coming up tomorrow night as we welcome in to a sports talk once again from the Charleston Post and Courier and the uh, high school sports report. We know him as best in business. People who, who are close to him know him as David Shelton. Welcome in, David. How are you? I'm good. A little noisy, but it's okay. <laughs> what's going on, David, in the background? Yeah, what's going on there? Uh, uh, about about 12 kids just came into the bathroom. <laughs> oh, okay. I won't get into I went in the bathroom. I went there. in the bathroom because it was quiet, and then about 12 kids came in, so I'm walking back outside. <laughs> very good, very good. Anyway, we're good. All right, David. I'm a professional. I Let's, can operate. Yes, sir. That's okay. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Let's talk about Abbeville and Oceanside Collegiate in the two-way championship game tomorrow. Your thoughts on that matchup? Going to be a really good game. Uh, Oceanside is the favorite. They've been number one for pretty much most of the season. But, you know, they're playing in their first state championship, and Abbeville's playing in like their hundredth, it seems. Mm. Uh, I think they've won five of the last seven state titles. So, you know, they'll have a little edge. Uh, I think an experience in these type of situations, but Oceanside is really good. Um, I mean, Abbeville coach Jamie Nichols said uh, they're probably one of the top two or three teams in the state, any classification. Um, big offensive line, aggressive, physical, really good on defense. Uh, Abbeville likes to run the football, and Oceanside is very good against the run, so that kind of plays into Oceanside's hands, and you know, I think the I think the pressure's on the Abbeville defense. They got you know, Oceanside scores a lot of points and uh they just gotta keep the game close and if they can get it to the fourth quarter, maybe that experience will you know, may, maybe that'll make a make a difference uh with some of those players having been in that situation before. Yeah. I would imagine too that uh Oceanside would like to make Abbeville a passing team if at all possible. Could Abbeville respond in that manner if they had to throw the ball? Would they be able to do that? I mean, they throw it okay, but that, I think they've only thrown – they've thrown less than 100 passes this year, so they don't – that's not mm-hmm. their game. Now, they average 308 yards rushing per game, but, you know, again, I, I think they'll get their yards, but that's going to be very tough again, to do that continuously I, I, against Oceanside's defensive front. I, I think Abbeville's going to have to mix in some passes. Special teams could be huge, uh, you know, return game. Uh, punt and kick return. Both teams have guys that are really good at it. Um, so, you know, maybe that will make a factor. Uh, you know, if it comes down to a clutch kick, maybe at the end, I like Abbeville's chances. Uh, Addison Nichols is, you know, he's a defensive end, but he's not a bad kicker. So, uh, but but I don't think it's going to come down to that. I, I, I think Oceanside just got a little bit too much. I don't think it'll be a blowout. Some people have mentioned that on Twitter. Uh, I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think Abbeville will compete because of their pride and their tradition. Uh, but I think Oceanside should win the game. David, I don't want to get into the minutia of whether or not uh, private schools should be playing in the public school league. We can save that debate for another day. But do you think there's a, at least a, a faction of the fan base around the state that is pulling for Abbeville from the standpoint that they're running up against a team like Oceanside Collegiate? Oh, I promise you, uh, 90% of the people who follow high school football in this state, coaches and otherwise, are pulling for Abbeville, uh, especially after Great Collegiate won it last year. Right. Um, you know, I don't I don't get involved in all that kind of stuff. I, you know, it's two teams playing football. 
but uh but yeah i i've uh if i could put on the record all the coaches that i've talked to in the last couple of weeks uh it would be almost unanimous uh that they want Abbeville to win this game wow hmm yeah, they continue. I, not, I'm not blaming the coaches, but whatever, organizationally or whatever, they don't do anything about it or they're powerless to do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on the scoreboard show. You know, there's there's lawyers that get involved, and, and you know, they, they can't really um, do anything about it because if the legislature mm-hmm. gets involved and, and lawyers start suing, they, they got good cases, um, you know. So I, I, you know, you would hope that eventually there'll be enough of those schools that they'll get tired of hearing the the mess and they'll go form their own league. Um, you know, the Christchurch, St. Joe's, you know, Christchurch is another school playing in state final against Johnsonville, and you know, a lot of people don't want them to win. Um, again, me personally, you know, I I just want to see a good football game, and that's what I'm there for. But but I can tell you, it is it is a bone of contention with a lot of people in this state. Update the three A before we switch to one A. A fumble recovered by Powdersville at the uh, Powdersville forty-five. They drive it down in seven plays. Thomas Williams a seven-yard run, a six-yard run, another run of a yard, and eventually he scored on a twenty-five-yard run. There was a penalty thrown in there that backed him up some. So Williams scores on a twenty-five-yard run. And it's 14-0 Powdersville, and we are uh, 5.06 to go in the first quarter, and Powdersville is up 14-0. David got about two minutes, so let's talk about the 1A game, which is tomorrow night. The 2A game is in the afternoon. The 1A game is at night tomorrow night, and it is, as we you just touched on, going to be Johnsonville and uh, Christchurch. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think Johnsonville has, has – has survived some very close games, but it's kind of made them tough. It's made them uh, – they're, they're, they're very accustomed to being in a close game uh, and finding ways to win. Um, and they're, they're very talented uh, as far as an offense. They can run the football extremely well with a good running back. You know, Christchurch has been, you know, sort of the cream of the crop up there since they moved back down from 2A to 1A. Uh, they've been kind of the best team in the upper state all year, and, and they're, they also have a very talented running back. So, you know, I think both teams, you know, maybe Christchurch throws it a little bit better. Both teams are pretty good on defense. It's going to be a close game, but, you know, I, I, think, I think Christchurch may have a little bit of an edge. Okay, David, we appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you here tomorrow to watch the games, and then we'll also have you tomorrow night as we preview the games coming up on Saturday and the high school school board. One more roll of that tomorrow night, too. So plenty of high school football talk ahead. Thank you, David. David Shelton good, man. joining us here on Sports Talk from Benedict. And we're back after the break. Going to the second quarter here in the 3A state championship game at Benedict, still 14-0 Powdersville leading over Buford. In the second quarter, Buford has the football at this particular time. We'll give you an update if something new happens. In the meantime, it is time to continue with our Thursday night menu. 
It is time for No Will But the Thrill. We welcome in Carl Hill of Gamecock fame, former Gamecock standout defensive end slash linebacker slash hybrid defensive player. The original slash for the Gamecocks on defense. And Will was going to be with us. He texted me about 10, 15 minutes ago. Something came up at his work, at his business he had to tend to. Maybe we'll get him on tomorrow night. So, Carl, the floor is all yours. Oh, oh man, and what a beautiful floor it is to be on after last week. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Phil, Mm. we're going to go back to our very first show we did of the season. I told you that this team had an opportunity to have a special season very similar to the Black Magic team. And I said they won't win as many games, but if they get around third, in in the east and and get up that ladder and win a couple ball games this could be really special and they end up you know beating kentucky in the next street texas a&m beating that street number 10 tennessee and then in the 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 seven game and all the other streets we end for clemson man it it's just not a special season still and you go back to look at three years before shane beam even came here we won 13 ball games and lost the bowl game. In the two years he's been here, we won 15 ball games and we won a bowl game, and we still have a bowl game to play. The Cox are, man, the Cox are crawling right now. And, and, and with that game this past weekend, again, I'm going to get back on my soapbox. And I told your butt that Clemson Tiger offense had one guy. You named all them other guys, and you still looking for them. <laughs> they all on posters. Look, they they all missing in action. You couldn't find mm. one guy, and know they running back. I told you they didn't have a secondary. Their coaching staff had no answer in the second half for our offensive coaching staff or our defensive coaching staff. And I hear old Dabo talking about it's unacceptable. <laughs> If it was unacceptable, you wouldn't have went in and hired a brand-new offensive quarter who's coordinator who's never done the job, a defensive coordinator who's never done the job. You wouldn't have went into the season with a bad quarterback that you're trying to improve, and you give him no help on offense, no receivers, no nothing. You're going to do it the Clemson way. The Clemson way got y'all butt beat last weekend doing the Clemson way. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So here's the question for you, Carl. I mean, we've seen the Gamecocks over the decades have these high moments, but how do they how do they maintain? How do they? Because look, two years ago, un, I'm sorry, uh, the second year under Will Muschamp, they won eight games in the regular season. They won a bowl game. They won their ninth. They did not beat Clemson, but otherwise, you know, similar kind of year to South Carolina record wise. He really could not take it from there to another level. What makes you believe? And now Shane Beamer's got to go hire another offensive coordinator. And, look, who knows who will be on the coaching staff next year? I'm not saying folks want to leave. I'm just saying that's the nature of the business. And who knows who's going to be on the roster next year? You may be starting over next year with a brand-new quarterback. I'd say odds are you're going to be starting over next year with a a brand-new quarterback, um, several new offensive linemen, a few new defensive linemen, uh, some new linebackers, certainly two new corners. I mean – 
there's going to be a lot of new people having to step up and play well for South Carolina to maintain. That's where recruiting comes in year after year. And my question to you is, can they maintain and, and build on what they've done the first two years under Beamer? Well, you kind of, you, you, your first part of your question was comparing this coaching staff to the, the must champ coaching staff. Well, not, we're not comparing. I was just, I was just making the point. That, that, that first couple of success years. They, they were, you know, things were, they, they were so excited about must champ, they went out and gave them this monster contract. Okay. And then what, three years later, they're eating it. And now they're going to yeah. do another contract for Beamer, I'm sure. Will they be, will they be somewhat frugal and sensible? Or are they going to blow the bank up to pay him? And then who knows what's going to happen? Be in a similar situation three or four years down the road. Or maybe this is salvation. Maybe he is the answer. Maybe he's the guy they've been waiting for all these centuries to walk through the door. I'm not going to say he's the guy all these centuries, but the difference between the reason Muschamp wasn't able to build on his success after his second year, he didn't have a locker room that believed in one thing. All of those guys were me-me guys. They were, how can I get to the next league guy? South Carolina, the University of South Carolina, really was not important to them at all. Shane Beamer has had these guys playing, and it's obvious by the guy they're playing on the field. He's got these guys playing for the University of South Carolina as a process of getting what they want to do. But the University of South Carolina is extremely important to him. The culture that Muschamp built was was an awful culture, the worst culture I've ever seen since I've left the University really? of South Carolina. Really? The players, were, the players fought. And I guarantee if you talk to folks about – Will Muschamp, you ask, you figure out how many guys in his exit interview cussed his butt out for his incompetence and how he treated them. There was, they, they were, there were a bunch of individual guys that care nothing about this university. But this, this same Beamer, those guys are playing for the University of South Carolina. And, and, and again, too, he's been very fortunate. He was very fortunate to, to, to be able to get. Uh, Satterfield as his coordinator when he when we were able to get him because if we would have kept uh, 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 Bobo from Georgia he was a culture killer that's why he didn't last at uh, at uh, Auburn those guys who who think that they're bigger than the program and they don't care about program they're looking at their successes they can't win and to answer your question about I gave you the records of what Shane is doing we didn't think we would have success we had based on last year's season, but the end of last year's season because of the success we had going into the beating the, in the Duke Mayonnaise Bowl, having that success gave us an opportunity to get some guys in here to help us do what we were able to do this year. This process doesn't change. Because of the success we were able to have this year, it's going to allow us to kind of – on linebacker, man, we need so many line Linebackers hurt this team for the last two years have kept us from having success. It kept us from having success this year with very poor linebacker play because of linebacker depth, first of all. We got some more hurt, and then that just hurt everybody having to move around. But this team is building something. And, again, the only thing we're doing is building to 2024 when we have to be number 12 in the country to get into the playoffs. Baby. <laughs> and we did it that way. <laughs> there you we, go. We, there hey, you go. Baby, <laughs> I, I hear you. We, I, and I hate that we're gonna be in that position to get in. I think it's, it's it's a very liberal process of getting everybody in. It's too many teams. You don't have to work for anything. But since they're doing it this way, 
Hey, you, 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 you just got you got to go with it. But in 2024, we're going to be ready, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the Gamecock side of Will and the Thrill here tonight. Carl Hill with us for a few more moments uh, looking back on the uh, Carolina-Clemson game on Saturday. And, Carl, when you watch the ball game, especially in the second half from a defensive standpoint, Clemson was held to less than 100 yards of total offense. They only converted two-third downs. Did you see anything differently in terms of scheme that the Gamecocks weren't doing necessarily in the first half to the second half? Were they playing harder? What was the reason in your mind that the Gamecocks were so dominant defensively in the second half? They, they, it, it wasn't so much what they did in the scheme-wise, but what they ended up doing with their Mike linebacker, their middle linebacker. Every time that there was a big play at first in, that, in the first half, the, the, the Mike linebacker was kind of overplaying stuff. And you kind of in the late in the second half, you, you start watching the Mike linebacker instead of reading and reacting to plays. He kind of sat there and sat there. He was like a quarterback in the pocket. He had bounced about three times before he started move. And by doing so, when the play came back to where he, where he was at, we were able to make the plays. They were just overrunning over being too aggressive from the mm-hmm. Mike linebacker, and they made him sit there and bounce for almost look like he was a spotter. He just bounced like a quarterback. He bounced three times, and he was able to make plays, and Clemson didn't have an answer for us. They're in trouble. They're still a championship-quality team. We beat a championship-quality team. They're playing for another championship. This ain't something that I'm going to say that we're going to continue to beat them. But right now, we got a better coaching staff than they have, and they don't have any guys on their team. So they, without guys on their team, they can't compete for championships like they used to have. Well, and speaking of the uh, coaching staff, you talked about Marcus Satterfield a couple of moments ago with his departure out to Nebraska. If you were Shane Beamer, what direction would you go in terms of hiring a new offensive coordinator? This is not really that complicated. Uh, and, and congratulations to Satterfield. I'm glad he was able to have a couple of really good games to, to get the opportunity to go out and, and coach at Nebraska. And I wish him nothing but, but success and thank him for everything that he's done for our university. It, it kind of simple. There's no everybody talking about what type of offense Shane Beam coordinator he's going to look for. In this day and age, man, we he said we ran a pro-style offense, and that pro-style offense, we didn't win a game in its two years here with a pro-style offense. The offense we ran – was an open field, open the, hit the middle of the field, hit the outside, hit, throw a ball to every position, every angle in the field, so you have to make them hmm. defend field. And then you have your quarterback run just a little bit. You, it's, it's the same thing. Alabama, Clemson did when they were winning championships. is what Georgia does. They're, everybody does the same. It's an RPO, zone read, mixed in with some pro style. That's what everybody runs. So, we just, I hope he finds somebody, like he said, that's done it before so you don't have to learn uh, uh, on, on a job like the guys up at Clemson and like uh, Satterfield had to do. Get somebody who's got a system that you believe in, that you think can work here, that's mind, same, in the same, your same mindset. And you just need somebody with experience. You got to have somebody that's been in the battle or two. In this, in this conference, it's hard to, to, to do it if you hadn't done it before. Excellent point. Excellent point. Before we let you leave, let's go ahead and look ahead to 23. The rivalry meter, your rivalry meter, 
here on December 1st, but looking ahead to November of 2023, what does your rivalry meter read tonight? They don't like the portal. They're going to still keep the offense coordinator and the same defensive coordinator. They're going to still think that the Clemson way is going to get them over the top and keep doing it their way and not do anything different. And they in the cockpit, I'm like, Will, I'm at a 10. <laughs> 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 we don't lose in the I cockpit, had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Carl, we thank you. We'll get back with you around bowl time, wherever and whenever that happens to be. Have yourself a great holiday and uh, talk to you in a few weeks. Go Cox, baby. Thank you so much, Carl. The Thrill Hill, what a great job he did. We'll try and get Will uh, tomorrow. And I really don't think he's okay, hiding cool. from us. He was all set to come on. Uh, he had something come up in the business world there he had to tend to. So hopefully we can get him tomorrow night. Meantime, Buford has answered. How about this? An 18-play, 82-yard drive. Wow. Eight up, seven minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, Colton Fairs rushing five yards for the touchdown. We're in the second quarter, 9.35 to go, and it is Powdersville leading Buford by a score of 14-7. to seven. Okay, we'll go to the break on the other side, give you the recruiting report for tonight. And I know we got some folks been waiting, trying to get on the air. We'll try and get to you after the break as well, so stay tuned for that. We are coming to you from Benedict, and Pat is over at our studios. That's the Dave & Buster studio in Columbia. Make sure you get out to Dave & Buster's Columbia, Greenville, Myrtle Beach. Eat, drink, play, and catch the big games all season long at Dave & Buster's. We'll be at Dave & Buster's in Myrtle Beach Wednesday night. Our coverage of the Touchstone Energy Bowl all next week from the beach. Back in a moment. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job, jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, hunting is very popular across the state of South Carolina, Major Downer. What things should our hunters be thinking about before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. Whether it's turkey season or deer season, hunters always need to be aware of the target. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com.
tonight. The recruiting report tonight, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Seawells. You know what tomorrow is, right? Tomorrow's Friday. It's Friday in most parts of the world. But here in South Carolina, we know it as, I hope, Pat, a roast beef Friday, an RBF. You got it, Corn. Tomorrow, December 2nd, will be carved roasted sirloin of beef along with southern fried chicken, fried flounder, all the fixings you can handle, salad, and dessert. Yeah, yeah. That's just my eyes are watering just thinking about it. That's so good. That's so good. So, I mean, look, get out there tomorrow. Enjoy it. It's 11 to 2, 13 bucks. You won't find a better buffet anywhere, especially with that menu. Check it out. The folks at Seawells, they would love to see you. You got something that needs the best in the catering business. So don't forget, they got a beautiful facility on Rosewood Drive. They got great banquet rooms. They can handle your event or they can come to your location. They can bring the setup. They can bring the food. They clean it up, pack it up, take it home. All you got to do is pay them. But before you do that, you got to call them. 803-771-7385 or online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. Chris, I saw your uh, I saw you licking your lips as Pat was going over that menu. I, I bet you got it. a little hungry there. Roasted sirloin of beef, though. I'm, yeah. You know, I, I love how they frame it. Not that most of us just say roast beef, but uh, it's about the presentation, my man. It's about the presentation, it's all about presentation, exactly right. Yeah, okay. So, defensive end in the 24 class, CJ Jackson, Christopher Jackson, 6'4, 220 out of Tucker, Georgia, been on Clemson's radar for a little bit, drawing interest from defensive ends coach Lemansky Hall. He was at Clemson during the summer. He talked with Hall, who wanted to see more of him and develop a relationship before extending an offer. All that happened over time, and Jackson landed his offer November 19th on a visit for the Miami game. He actually got the offer directly in a meeting with Dabo Sweeney. Very excited to get that offer, and he also went to uh, the Syracuse game at Clemson, so he's got a good look inside the program, impressed by what he's seen, the family atmosphere, the graduation rate, the way they develop defensive ends. He's a guy that can play with his hand in the dirt. He can play standing up. You can move him around. He's that kind of an agile defensive end. But he also likes how Clemson sends guys to the NFL. In the last month, he's also picked up offers from Georgia, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Indiana and Coastal Carolina. He's got Clemson right up at the top of his list at this point. He said Clemson is definitely there. It's one of those offers that you know you really really want and he was happy to get it indiana's in there because they were like the first to offer him georgia the hometown schools in there old miss too he had 11 sacks this season he also visited north carolina mississippi state florida state and georgia he'll take more visits he's looking at a decision sometime this summer the smallest state is home to the biggest name in the transfer portal right now that's rhode island for those of you who don't know the smallest state. That is the smallest state, isn't it? It's still the smallest state, right? It hasn't expanded. I believe you're correct. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, his name is Johnny Cornelius, or maybe it's Ajani, or maybe it's Ajani. He's an offensive tackle, 6'5", 315, all-conference at Rhode Island, announced his plans to transfer on November 29th. Since then, programs have leaped out to him. USC joined that group this morning with an offer. 
He's also got Auburn, Oregon, Penn State, Indiana, Minnesota, Syracuse, Louisville, Memphis, Cincinnati, Temple, Akron, Marshall, Nebraska, West Virginia, Kansas, Washington State, Virginia, Missouri. And that's all within the last two days. He started 11 games at right tackle, and he earned first-team all-CAA honors. He's out of White Plains, New York, has two years of eligibility remaining. And I think that that, my friends, oh, 2024 wide receiver Jordan Shipp of Charlotte, who has a USC offer and interest from Clemson, was offered by Kentucky. Also offering, um, being offered by Kentucky, 2024 athlete Trey Horn of Raven Gap, Georgia, who was at Clemson last Saturday. That is recruiting for tonight. Be sure to check it out online regularly on our website, sportstalksc.com, on Twitter. Use the hashtag STRecruiting. Let's go to Scott. Now, before we do that, real quick, two things we haven't mentioned tonight. Uh, uh, Sad news that Gaylord Perry passed away over the uh, last evening. The outstanding pitcher and uh, former head coach at Limestone. Yeah, died last night. And also, how do you get this far into the show and not brag on yourself a little bit? Congrats and props to you for being one of the finalists for the uh, Sportscaster of the Year here in our state. Oh, poo. I mean, I. Well, Phil is uh, one of the finalists the, from the. Uh, hit, hit, the du- hit the dump Rick button. Rick Henry, Scott I mean, Eisbergen. Nope, I'm going to say it again. We're, you're a finalist for it again, Phil, and we're proud of you. No. Dad, absolutely. Well, listen, I, I, I appreciate that. I, you know what? I, let's take the caller. I want to take the calls. Thank you very much for mentioning that, but it really is not necessary. Uh, let's go to Scott in Orlando. See if we can squeeze in one or two more. Scott, welcome in. How are you? Hey, doing well. Uh, I wanted to talk about the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. First, I'm not very sad to see Satterfield go. In my opinion, he had three good games in two years, and the rest of them were average or subpar. I want to hear your thoughts on that. And then secondly, I want to throw out two names for you and see what you thought. Uh, Scott Frost for offensive coordinator or the guy Jeff Scott? Well, what do you think about those names? And let me let me hold on. To first of all, yeah, first of all, I, I think you're right. I mean, the offense struggled for two years mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. against quality competition. We can't, you know, you, you, I think they put a little bit of lipstick on a pig there the last couple of games, right? I mean, it, it, he leaves with it looking fair. all shiny mm-hmm. and bright. Yeah, but for the most part, the offense underachieved. It was for whatever reason. Now, I will say this. Last year, don't forget quarterback issues. If you're not getting good quarterback play, you're going to struggle. And they went through four quarterbacks last year. So just use the Clemson know, game I, as a template, Phil. Last year, thirty yeah. to nothing. Spencer Rattler comes in. South Carolina wins thirty-one thirty. It's it's obviously a quarterback yeah, game. Yeah, they had the better quarterback, and mm-hmm. yep. they made bigger plays. And so, but I can't disagree with what he's saying. I mean, the offense was not great for two years, but it's what have you done for me lately? And I think he can he can walk away feeling like he he helped bring South Carolina. Uh, two of their greatest wins in their history, to be quite honest with you. Scott Frost is interesting. No, Jeff Scott will not happen. I, I imagine Jeff Scott will just maybe sit out this year. He's got plenty of money. He can sit back, reevaluate. But he's not going to Clemson. He's not going to South Carolina either. So, But, good, but Scott Frost would be an interesting concept. Yeah, um, Buford just scored again. It's 14-14, so we're all tied up. 428 to go. We will have uh, post-game coverage on the website. Back here with you tomorrow night. Thank you, Chris. 
Yes, sir. And thank you, Pat. And thank you, everybody, for being with us. Have a great night. See you tomorrow right here on Sports Talk. Thank <laughs> you.